Welcome back to another episode of Connections. I'm Mike Tom with Colleen Hood. You know, one of the harder things in life might be teaching children on how to be safe and protect themselves. It can be a tricky topic, especially for young ones. We want to teach them and keep them safe, but at the same time, we don't want to scare them. Yeah, well, today's guest will help us think about how we can do just that. Karen Kibzi is from the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. Today, she'll help us teach our children how to protect themselves and keep themselves safe in today's society. Karen, how did you end up in this line of work? Uh, for me, ending up in, in this type of work in this space, which I'm extremely grateful to uh, to be a part of, um, I spent uh, some time working uh, in international education, so working with the university and various high schools. And uh, when I made the career change, was looking for something that was going to be an opportunity to really make a difference and give back. And um, upon finding a role within the center and applying for it, Meeting the fantastic people here, um, it was just meant to be and uh, the right place to be. Uh, plenty of opportunity uh, to grow and expand, but uh, to know that every single day you're doing something that counts and makes a difference and uh, you get to see what those results are all about. So what does your role exactly look like? Are you going into schools and teaching people or uh, what exactly do you do? Within my role at the centre, I um, do uh, administrative pieces here to make sure we have all the tools and resources that uh, uh, we make available to our various stakeholders throughout uh, the country, but uh, also working uh, directly with both the public as well as um, those working in education, child-serving organizations, sport, um, and other sectors to really provide them with, again, the tools and resources, um, information, and uh, train and provide a little bit more information on the issue to, uh, primarily related to child sexual abuse um, and ways that we can mitigate risk to create safer spaces for kids in those types of organizations. In the 1980s growing up, we called it stranger danger. And we want to talk today, Karen, about how to teach our kids to stay safe while at the same time not making them afraid of everybody that they come across. Is stranger danger still a concern and something that we should be teaching? Well, what we're seeing is that the vast majority of children who go missing in Canada um, are, are not abducted. Uh, the vast majority are runaways. Mm. Um, when we talk about abduction, um, there are, um, you know, some stranger abductions. However, the vast majority of time when it is an abduction, almost three times more likely that it's somebody that's known to the child um, that has taken them. So whether it's a non-custodial parent or another relative, which is exactly, Mike, like you said, stranger danger really is what maybe we've learned in the 80s. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, you know, been that foundation in the past of personal safety discussions of saying don't talk to strangers. Um, but based on the statistics and what we know, the context, uh, concept of stranger danger is really um, an outdated message. Okay. So placing the emphasis on, you know, a fear of strangers tends to not be an effective um, approach to protecting children from victimization. Um, so it's about shifting the language and how we talk to kids um, about that. Um, not only is it not effective because if a child, you know, um, does come in that situation or they're victimized, whether it's an abduction or something like child sexual abuse, the person is known to the child, but also um, the fact that the concept of stranger um, can be rather abstract to a child. And so while an adult, well-meaning, um, understands what that term means or what they're implying, uh, for a child it really doesn't get interpreted that way. Hmm. So how do we go about talking to our children then about um, those situations? So when we're talking to kids about those situations, uh, a key thing is to have discussions that are age-appropriate and developmentally appropriate. 
Um, but at the base of it, it's really important not to use any fear tactics when talking about personal safety. Um, scaring a child will really only increase their vulnerability as it can lead to insecurity and fear. Um, so building an understanding around personal safety uh, when having those discussions, um, really important to have those conversations in a calm and matter-of-fact way. Uh, just like we address every other and every day safety concerns like fastening seatbelts or wearing bike helmets, locking doors. Um, similarly, when we're discussing personal safety, so whether that's something about, um, you know, uh, personal boundaries, inappropriate touching, using the buddy system, or checking with a parent before going anywhere with anyone, um, it's, again, just that regular matter-of-fact tone um, and not having emotionally charged messaging when we're talking to kids about those types of issues. You have five safety habits for life. Habit number one is so important. Check first. How do we do this? So uh, the safety habit check first is about getting permission from parents before going anywhere with anyone. So again, you can see that stranger language isn't part of it. Um, if it's somebody asking that child to go with them, um, it can even be another family member that they go and check with their parents first. And that way there's uh, this expectation of a dialogue between the child and the parent, and the parent can also then have active supervision in knowing where their child is. Um, so just like... Um, all types of safety that we discuss, building these into your everyday life. So even reminding a child that, you know, when they've asked, you know, I'm going to go walk next door to grandma's house and they tell mom and dad um, that they say, you know, that's great. Thank you for checking with me before going. So it's just reinforcing those messages as we have them. I've heard of uh, parents using before, like, Maybe they have a code word with their kids, so say that an uncle does have to come pick them up from school, they give the kid the code word. Is is something like that good to use, or are there flaws in that too then? You know, I wouldn't be able to speak necessarily okay. to, to that. I think it can go in a variety of situations, but um, making sure that there is, you know, that communication with a parent is really key, uh, but also talking to your school to make sure that if it's the right person on the list that's picking up the child and if it's not, that the school's doing everything they can to contact the parent and make sure that uh, that child's only being released to the appropriate person. Another habit you have on the list is uh, use the buddy system. How do we go about doing that? Perfect. So sticking together creates safety in numbers. A message I think that we use, you know, right from when our kids are wee and little, and this extends all the way to when our kids are teenagers. Um, so using the buddy system uh, for younger kids, um, you know, our six- and seven-year-olds, for example, is um, going somewhere with somebody who can supervise them. And a great daily practice of this might be you're in the grocery store and your little one needs to use the washroom. Well, saying, oh, well, we need to use the buddy system. So they go with, you know, their older brother or sister. Um, somebody who can supervise them to the washroom is reinforcing that message. Um, but even when we talk about, you know, the conversations and extending those with our older kids, adolescents and teens, uh, we have these safety messages, this one in particular, all the time, so that if you go out with your friends, you come home with your friends, right? You don't go to a party and, and leave your friend there. Um, so buddy system, whether you're six or whether you're 17, is a really key message uh, that we weave into all the things that we do with our kids. That's huge. You quite often forget when you get older that these things are still important. Yeah, still applicable, right? One of your great tips you have is that some secrets should be told. Karen, how do we tell our kids that some secrets need to be shared? 
here. So this, the safety habit that we have um, is that secrets that make a child feel scared or uncomfortable need to be told to um, an adult. Um, and so when we look at, um, you know, the, the possibility of, of victimization, um, often uh, it's, you know, in secrecy where um, something's, you know, being done or being told to a child and they're told not to tell. So um, if a child ever feels uncomfortable with a secret um, that they've been asked to keep, um, that they should talk to a safe adult. And um, further to that message, we say any type of secret that either doesn't have an ending or is about touching or picture-taking needs to be told to a safe adult. Mm, Okay. Yeah, that's how a lot of predators usually work on children, right? This is a secret. You can't tell anybody. Um, Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to do that with my daughter when I'm trying to not get her to spoil mom's surprise birthday party, but at the same time teach her that some secrets have to be told. Well, something that we have, which is a fabulous resource to be using, uh, particularly with young kids, is our Tea Tree Storybook. Um, So it's Tea Tree's uh, Keep and Speak Secrets. And the way we look at it is those secrets that can be kept in our safe secrets are those that will eventually have an ending. So exactly that, a surprise Mm. birthday party. Uh, But any of those secrets that, you know, don't have an ending or, again, picture-taking or touching makes them feel uncomfortable or weird um, is something uh, that they should speak. And we say, don't speak to one adult. Tell three adults uh, to get the message out. And how do they determine uh, who these safe adults are? So another piece that we talk about um, with kids in terms of personal safety is identifying who their safe adults might be. Um, So helping children identify um, who that is in their life if they were ever needing to go to somebody for help. And it's great to have that conversation and let the child tell you who those safe adults are going to be. And most often we hear it's going to be those that are close to them. So it might be mom or dad. Um, grandma, their teacher, um, their, you know, babysitter or a coach. Um, So making sure that kids, you know, verbalize that and talk to you about who they can go to in their life and that they understand they have a network of people if they ever needed to talk to somebody. Another safety habit you have on there is trust your instincts. So this is something that's really key with kids because um, in situations they might come across something that makes them feel weird or uncomfortable, but they often can't understand perhaps an adult's intent or what it is about the situation that makes them feel weird or uncomfortable. So when talking with kids, we say pay attention to your body's signals that warn you that something, you know, maybe isn't okay um, or warn you of a danger. And um, we have a storybook that goes along with the safety habit as well called Cosmo Trusts His Instincts. And in this safety book, it's a dog that comes across various, um, you know, different situations. And uh, we talk about those instincts as kind of like that butterfly in your stomach or that creeping sense. So something that your body is telling you, hey, wait, maybe I need to rethink this. Um, so using the storybook or even just talking about what that might mean, what are our instincts, how do we feel when something feels not right, um, and opening up that dialogue with our kids and saying, if you ever feel that way, that's when you can come and talk to somebody. Uh, you've mentioned books a few times. Do you find that books really help to get the message across? We find the uh, books is a really great tool because it um, helps us um, you know, repeat the message for kids and give them different safe situations to be learning about um, these these types of risks um, in a way that's age-appropriate, developmentally appropriate, and again, not fear-based. Um, so we have a series of storybooks that are available um, to parents, but are also part of our uh, school-based program called Kids in the Know. So uh, Kids in the Know is a personal safety education program. It's bilingual, and it's used in schools throughout Canada. 
it's matched to curriculum outcomes so that when educators are using it, they know that they're teaching pieces that are uh, based on the provincial mandated curriculum. Um, and it has the lessons to talk about personal safety with kids, as well as these supplementary resources like the storybooks that can also be used by parents in the home. And by having the same messages both in the home and in the classroom, um, what we're really doing is uh, developing a common language around personal safety for kids um, so that uh, it gets repeated, it gets remembered, and uh, it's consistent in the way we're discussing it. I see you have not only books, but there's puppets as well. We do, yeah. So the puppets are used either in daycare settings or the classroom. And um, what we love about these pieces, so having the puppets that match with the storybooks, is that kids start to recognize the characters, and then it kind of triggers those different safety habits Mm. for them. Um, So we would have, for example, somebody coming, one of our staff going into a school, and uh, they would have a tea tree. So that's the puppet and storybook about the secrets. And uh, kids would see that and say, I need to tell, tell, tell. I need to tell three adults. Hmm. Um, So it helps with their um, uh, recognition and then remembering those different safety strategies. So it's a great prompt for them as well. It's amazing how books and puppets and toys can be so resourceful and so fun at the same time. Colleen, you've had your own experience where a book helped teach your daughter on safety. My daughter, who was three at the time I read it to her, it was very interactive. And I found she picked up so much of that information to the point we were at a splash pad and a situation arose and she did the right thing, which I thought was so amazing. Yeah, they really do help in making that conversation happen. And when you're reading these storybooks to kids, um, they get involved involved with it. They get excited, right? And they start sharing with you or talking about, um, you know, what they might do in a situation or what that character did. Um, But then they're able to replicate that um, in situations where maybe they do need to use some of those skills. Um, When children have the opportunity to really practice um, these types of safety skills or safety information in a non-risk environment, it increases the likelihood that if they're ever faced with the situation um, in the real world where they need to employ these, they're going to have the confidence and competence to be able to do that effectively. Your final safety habit, be assertive. What does that look like for a child? So being assertive is setting clear boundaries about personal space and touching, um, and really an important safety habit, um, whether we're talking about you know the risk of children going missing um, or different types of victimization like sexual abuse. Um, so when we're looking at be assertive, um, we get the question sometimes, you know, how early do you start teaching something like that? Um, and you can start uh, quite young. So with a four-year-old, for example, you can teach them to be assertive by creating opportunities for them to practice matching their body language with strong verbal messages that demonstrate they mean business. Um, so practicing a really firm no or a stop or I don't like that um, are, are ways that we can be uh, you know, practicing that with our kids. Um, But also being assertive, we can tie that into talking about boundaries so that if, uh, you know, a child wants, we explain that they can set their own personal boundaries. So if they don't want to give, you know, somebody a hug, that they can say no. And that's part of, you know, being assertive. Even if that person's an adult, they have the ability to, um, you know, express their feelings, uh, both with their body language and uh, and, uh, in speaking. You can never start too young. Yeah, that's a great point. It's never too early to start teaching these kids these uh, safety habits. And in fact, probably the earlier you start, the better off they'll be. How do we find out more information for our listeners um, for resources or any more other tips that they'd like to know about? 
Perfect. Well, our main website directs um, anybody listening, so whether we're talking about the parents that we're talking to today or teachers that are interested in having this in their classroom. And uh, the website is protectchildren.ca. And on there, people can get different types of information, access to a variety of free tools and resources, um, and, uh, and learn more about what we do as the center and uh, different ways that they can get involved um, and uh, start these safety conversations at home or in the classroom. Thanks so much, Karen. That was such a great conversation with so many helpful tips. Yeah, a lot of great advice, especially helpful for me with young kids. Uh, Thanks again to Karen for joining us. Don't forget, we'd love if you subscribe to the Connections podcast. And one of the best things you do for us is leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast app. That really helps make Connections more discoverable for other people. We'll talk to you again on Connections.